Welcome to She's Having an Episode, a podcast dedicated to TV's very best female characters. I am screenwriter Layla London. And I am journalist Ashling O'Leary. <laughs> so professional. Yes. <laughs> As always, Layla. <laughs> How are you doing today? Doing okay. Rocking a double denim look in uh, homage to our our character today. I feel like, I don't know, this is definitely a look that Hillary would have rocked. Well, if not Hillary, at least Ashley. But it's definitely like in the vibe of... Fresh Prince Bel Air in the nineties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I love it. You'll need to you'll need to stand up so I can describe it for our listeners. It's, it's exactly <laughs> what it says in the tin. As you may have already guessed by the title of this podcast, today's very special character is Hillary Banks from iconic 90s sitcom, The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Hillary, played by Karen Parsons, was the vivacious eldest daughter of the wealthy Banks family, but she ended up being much more than a spoiled socialite. While initially portrayed as a self-centered fashion gal, Hillary undergoes quite the journey of self-discovery over six seasons. In fact, it's mostly what's under those killer clothes that made us go, well, she's having an episode. <gasps> My beloved Ash, tell me about the fresh princess of Bel-Air. Right, well, the fun facts I have today are m- more so behind the scenes. So apparently, Will Smith asked out Karen Parsons, but she turned him down. Uh, yes! Uh huh. She was smart enough to tell him hell no when he tried to explain that they were not really cousins in real life. (laughs) So it'd be fine if they dated. Um, Telling her, I swear we'll mess up our working relationship, but she knew better than that and it was a great call. So, fun fact number one stunning. Oh, I'm so grateful for your research. Yeah, I know. It was quite the hole I went into. Then, <laughs> um, so Will, uh, so this was Will's first ever acting role. Um, in mm. Like before then, he was um, part of a, was a music duo with, what's the guys, DJ Jazzy. DJ Jazzy Jeff, also known as Jazz on the show. Yeah, 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 exactly. But so to ease it's his anxiety of failing on set. Uh, he would obsessively study his lines and the lines of his co-stars. So much so that he would unconsciously mouth the other actors' lines on camera as they said it to him. Oh. I know. Karen Parsons was the one who had to break it to him. Uh, <laughs> pointing, and, uh, pointing out like one episode in particular where it was exceptionally obvious that he was mouthing lines like parroting them back to the uh, his co-star. He was um, Ice Tray, uh, who played by Don Cheadle. There's an episode, season one, episode five, uh, called Homeboy, Sweet Homeboy. And oh, that's such a touching episode. Yeah, I, but to this day, Will Smith can't watch it because it's so evident to him that he's just mouthing the lines back to Don Cheadle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So because ev- everyone was getting really fed up with Will doing that. <laughs> So I I think yeah that makes sense. It's so funny that I've never picked up on that of the sort of god 30 years that this show has been on air, but you can imagine how fucking annoying that would be after a while. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, mate, trust me to do my job. Like, relax. <laughs> <laughs> Great job to the editors as well for like hiding that from the average viewer, right? Like, that's pretty decent work if he was doing it for <laughs> the six years that it was on. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, the thing about Hillary, I think why to me why she's the most iconic is just her lines like she delivers so well so our intro to hillary to clarify if you've not i mean if you're listening to this you've definitely seen the fresh prince bel-air so you know she's a very <laughs> spoiled materialistic woman and this is exactly who we're introduced to when she walks into the sitting room immediately she goes in she's like daddy i need 300 dollars and he asks why for, and then she says, okay, I'm going on this Save the Ozone Lair celebrity bus next Saturday. We're going to take the bus all over town to protest air pollution, and then we're going to motor to the beach and have a big bonfire. Mwah, chef's kiss. I know, <laughs> I know. It's just like, and then like Will obviously makes a very important point, like uh, doesn't that kind of... Uh, Negate the environmental work yeah <laughs> yeah 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 all that driving bit of a bonfire like doesn't sound like it's very climate positive no and do you know what as i was sort of re-watching that first episode because obviously again for the setup will is the cousin who is taken from the streets of philadelphia as <laughs> the theme song says to bel-air for this shiny new life to get away from the trouble he was making back home and Hillary is the perfect sort of balance to Will in this show. And I think it's what makes her character so interesting and so good because they're two literal polar opposites, right? But from the get-go as well as being very materialistic and saying, you know, I need $300 for this hat. She goes in pretty hard the rest of that first season and beyond about how much she loves the environment and actually even in i think that first or second episodes has really salient points about why global warming is a massive issue and it's a really funny sort of character thing for her like a tick that she has to be so concerned with the environment because i think there's a very wealthy world in which a lot of these you know, women who don't have to worry about things choose a subject to worry about, right? And for Hillary, it is definitely the environment. But she also does seem pretty educated about it. And it just raises the question in me, like, was environmental activism a trend for her? Or was it actually something more, even at those early stages? Oh, look, I just don't know if Hillary is that deep. Like, I think like, you know, <laughs> like fair play for her to like to her to like, you know, learn the salient points when it goes to like the thing, because, you know, yeah, she is hanging out with those celebrities and they're she's probably just hanging on their every word. And so like after a while, it starts getting ingrained in her consciousness of what she's actually promoting. But ultimately, I just think she's a bit of a celeb whore. And she's just going to these, you know, environmental events being like, well, Bruce and Demi are going to be there. So like, I best, you know, get on my A game and like, just get in there. And but like, for, if more often than not, it's just a cause for her to go shopping and get glammed up and which shows the other side of these charitable functions. Uh, it's 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 um what's the word is the like champagne smoke oh, champagne socialist. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like smoked salmon on bread. 
uh events where it's just like yeah we're here for a good cause it's just like you're all just <laughs> here to like wag all your money at each other <laughs> and wear a new hat yeah um, but yeah no it, obviously if the money's going for a good cause then great <laughs> <laughs> right but the sort of causes that they brought up so early in that show like, felt really poignant watching it all back like i know this is a out and out comedy i know that this is all for the spoiled girl persona but this is a show that deals heavily in issues around race and political justice and social justice and environmental justice even and i just thought like what a absolute magical thing that they wove that in literally from the first sentence hillary said of course it's a joke but it's also talking about an issue a lot of people weren't talking about at that time it's just like such smart writing mm, yeah because it took it was like what another 10 years before al gore came on the scene it was like guys we need to get real about like the climate and everyone's just like nah still not a thing we're gonna vote for bush uh, <laughs> <laughs> definitely yeah yeah um but ultimately why did you why did you pick her like what does she ring true for you she's I mean I cannot agree with you more about her just being the absolute best lines in the entire show her comic timing is unbelievable she's truly the funniest character in a show that has a lot of great comic actors too there's really no one who's not pulling their weight who doesn't deliver their lines well but she is sort of the exemplification of spoiled rich girl and yet so so likable because she's so fucking funny <laughs> um, there just really is no character like her beyond maybe clueless but like i think hillary walked so clueless could run you know yeah yeah because the, well the thing is like everyone points to share from clueless as the og valley girl and it's like no actually hillary banks was the og valley girl with you know an eye for style and daddy's credit card at her disposal and um and caring about the environment the real issues right is that not a, also a parallel for share horowitz does share did share care about the environment Oh yeah, when she gets big into, what is it? The cleaning up the beaches of insert place here. Mm. <laughs> I, can, I can remember the fundraiser. I can remember her 10 step program to do better and most of it being about that environmental cause. You can see these things really do like live rent free in my head, don't they? <laughs> mm. No, it's been a while since I've uh, rewatched Clueless now, but yeah, that, that does ring a bell. Yeah, because there's something about, um, or like the thing about these these gals is that they bring the trope of valley girl onto the scene even though the share or hillary neither of them are from the valley they are they share a lot of like linguistic traits with people who come from the valley uh what val speak basically was was just a uh it was a, the steady use, you know, you know, how they speak and then like everything at the end of their sentence, the questions, quite nasal. These are like, mm. like very strong characteristics of Val speak, which you can see today in like Kim Kardashian and Drew Barrymore, actually. Well, Drew Barrymore is actually from the Valley. She grew up in Sherman Oaks. Um, but like Val speak is seen as a sign of low intelligence. 
um right yeah but people do use it even as like a a shorthand don't they even now for being stupid i think a lot of people mm. who talk about sort of dumb americans will immediately fall into this sort of <laughs> i don't know <laughs> like long pause speaking <laughs> and that is the vowel speak of you know eternity isn't it yeah whereas between those long pauses they could just be having some really deep thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> they really could. I I vote for like at least twenty percent of the time. Hillary's he's Hillary's getting deep with herself in between yeah. those nice hats. <laughs> no man, she's thinking about a matching twin set or something. <laughs> right in the in the wrong actor, that could have also been a really annoying character. Mm. Where the reason it's so funny is it's so confident. And it's so self-assured. It's not somebody who's second-guessing themselves at any point. It is very much somebody who doesn't care if asking for money makes her shallow. She's like, yeah, that's that's what I'm here for. I'm oh, but these people something. are just like, I they're they're they are just so unapologetic about the fact that they're rich. They're like, we're wealthy and we just like live these lives and that's that. Like there's one episode where uh, yeah, Carlton and um Will had moved out. Uh, into the flat and then like it gets robbed and then immediately Carlton or uh, the you know the landlord's kicking them out and Carlton is just like I'm going home I'm rich like I am not putting up with this. <laughs> <laughs> I was like whoa the audacity of being like I I'm rich like I don't need this like this is just too much yeah. just the um I was just having so many laughs watching this show it's just it is so good. I forgot how good it was. It's just like a laugh a minute. The writing is so sharp. I agree so hard. I was really nervous watching the few episodes that I did available on BBC iPlayer if you're in the UK. <laughs> and I was thinking, oh no, maybe Hillary is just not as fantastic as I remember. Or maybe the show is cringier. But actually the show is so much better. I was so impressed by this sort of timelessness of the jokes the chemistry everyone has is unbelievable i was so thrilled to see so many female members of crew and writers and producers who developed this beautiful thing in the early 90s when it's really hard for women to get into directing writing every every part of this sort of behind the scenes industry um and yeah for it to be co-produced co-show run by a woman and for that first episode to be directed by a woman and so many of those singular episode writing credits go to women when it is a show essentially about a man and his struggle within a family unit just fucking snaps for everybody i was so delighted <laughs> mm, yeah it and it it ties into i just think i have some <laughs> i've written down here she's a girl with standards um <laughs> with uh oh yeah with her first with the first love interest we see on the show ice tray played by don Cheadle. uh he he suggests trading in his first class ticket back to philly for um two coach tickets so she can go with, back with him she's like coach sorry I don't do coach and just you know <laughs> like her and Carlton they're in jokes I also think like Hillary is the only person really besides his parents that give 
Carlton like any energy at all. She really seems to like encourage his air yeah, quotes, she does. sense of humor when he has none. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like either that is because of the lack of brain cells perchance, but my vote is because she's just a kind fucking sister who was like, no one else is gonna laugh at this. So might as well get a little kick out of supporting him in this way. <laughs> Mm. But what do we think about the fact that like her two younger siblings are really smart and very like she, it's almost like she came from different parents. Mm. Oh, she is significantly older, isn't it? I think she's supposed to be 20 when it starts. She's definitely in college and has been in college for a while. Mm. Um, is that an older child thing? Do you think the older child always feels a little bit detached from the younger two? So she's, I think, yeah, 2021, Ashley's nine. Carlton, I'm guessing, is about 16. Um, He's about Will's age, isn't he? Yeah. Oh, Will is 17. Yeah. uh, In the show. And so she's not that much older from Carlton and Will. And yet those three, it's like what happened there that she is so, uh, like, she's so not into books. She's so, like, she's just so different from the younger two. Is it because and, she's actually really pretty and she knows that's all she needs? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just like, imagine just like being happy to skate by on that. Do you know, I think I think a lot of people do. And credit to them. You know, I think there's a lot of negativity around people who are hot. But if you can skate through your fucking life being rich and hot, you might as well. Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> she's, I, I, she's going I'm, to the charity <laughs> events. Is this not how they all live, right? She's like, I'm rich and hot and I'm giving, you know, my time to charitable events. I think that's sort of rich people through and through, isn't it? Mm, this is very, very true. And, you know, and she lives in a she's in a community where that is absolutely valued and validated. They're like, yeah, please come to our events. Please look your best and please give us all your money uh, or all your dad's money and um yeah be part of our crew because we know you're part of it and you fit in and she never feels the need do you know what she never second guesses herself despite the intelligence of her younger siblings she's always just like i am the best like she she is so in a way she has like she's a bit deluded about herself no <laughs> she she definitely is um but i think as the sort of seasons go on too she does want more for herself and i think that has a lot to do with will's presence in that household and her sort of lack of a place because everyone finds a thing sort of don't they and i I can't remember what season it is but it's revealed she's you know dropped out of ucla she really has no career path on the horizon and she sort of goes down the most obvious hot girl path ever being weather girl but it eventually transforms oh no oh no her own talk show (laughs) i'm like she really like worked her way up that ladder on her excellent charisma and confidence and looks Mm. no we must pause before weather girl there's also classic rich girl trope she was gallery girl before she was <laughs> for a hot minute and um oh then she was an assistant to queen latifah which by the way this is queen latifah's first um acting role as well before that she had been in music videos yeah no way uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah Lovely. so yeah i think hillary as 
gallery girl I was, she was just like trying to she was just trying something on you know fair dues as you do early 20s you're just figuring it out like that is that no uh, no but also she was not that interested in art she just loves clothes like just yeah. leaning into that girl just yeah it's so interesting actually you, you that sort of I don't know comparison because you would actually expect a character who is a little bit more 2d to have been like oh you know what I'll do fashion design I think we see that trope in a lot of sort of fashion characters for lack of a better word but yeah she she really doesn't enter that particular field at any time though she spends at least 90 percent of her time in the early episodes talking about either her clothes or how awful other people's clothes are i know again great testament to the writers yeah that's brutal her you know condemnations of people's clothes it's just like (laughs) wow okay uh i wonder if it's just because she takes clothes for granted though you know she's just like they're there they're always at my disposal i don't have any need to like delve into that world anymore Mm, yeah i guess you don't see a lot of rich women getting into no i guess no you definitely do yeah you do but they're more heritage brands aren't they and family brands rather than somebody starting from the ground up kate spade tori birch yeah. Were they rich? Were they rich? I feel like Kate Spade came from a good family. I don't know. I don't know enough to know. But no, it's a very good It's a very interesting point. Oh, but also, isn't there that episode of Sex in the City where a woman does exactly that? She just, that's it. She's having some crisis after, like, her husband leaves her. And uh, she's Oh, my God, the bag lady. The bag lady, the hideous, hideous bags. Isn't that Jennifer Coolidge? Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love oh, that episode. It's a so great episode. Much. Yeah. Cause yeah. also I that's an episode of where I think like Samantha and Smith like end up banging downstairs and sending yeah. her mad because it was a big breakup and she was so upset that they were having oh my god. Literally these shows, how are they taking up so much room in my brain? Can't mm. remember anything about people out there in the actual world, but characters. Mm, they <laughs> got are a full firmly, recall. Lost firmly in there. <laughs> thing is like I, like it's weird as you say like this she didn't go into fashion because she would have easily been some fashion blogger or she tiktok videos uh yeah could totally see that yeah because um sorry just back to clothes she actually she wrote this she wrote um i wrote this she says at one point when i see more and more people shopping by catalog just don't get me started it's too pathetic too sad like the mall for her is such an important place it is it's uh i i feel like that is such a sight for her to just be her like quote unquote true self <gasps> do you know what it is it's the only place that gives her purpose mm. She's she's really disconnected in those first, you know, few seasons, isn't she? She has no purpose but shopping and but clothes. So I think that's probably why the mall feels like both an escape and also a place for purpose when you're rich enough to need one. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's why shopping is such a pastime for rich people. They're just like, it just gives the, it's a place to go. You go to a place of beautiful things. You have people waiting on your hand and foot. It's a, re- mm. it's, a it's a real place of feeling just loved and uh, approved and just validated in your how you present yourself to the world. And because you know, fashion is a real 
it's a it's a way of how she expresses herself and she there are people in the mall who are more than ready to update that expression and <laughs> right she obviously does go on a, a journey um of self-discovery as we said um but she never really changes her connection to self-expression through fashion and i think that's really nice to see actually rather than someone who is very sort of flamboyant getting to a stage where they're more serious so they dress Mm. less or they care less um that's obviously something that carries through like right right to the end and she's sort of the most successful out of everyone by the end (laughs) Mm. yeah 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 very true credit to her um can we talk about her relationship with trevor yes please do start (laughs) (laughs) because it is it is honestly just one of those tv relationships that i think if anyone had because i know again a lot of these shows are watched in people our age on reruns so it may not be that you watch every single episode from start to finish but the episode that is arguably my favorite of the entire show is when Hillary tries to tell Trevor she needs to be proposed to in a big way. And for context, Trevor is the newscaster when Hillary is the weather girl. That's how they met. That's how they fell in love. And he agrees. He's like, yeah, I'm going to do it in a big way. So she gets on a big wedding dress. turns on TV and sees that Trevor has decided to propose to her while bungee jumping, which is ridiculous in and of itself. If not, then he fucking dies. (laughs) And it's literally the most unexpected, funny, obviously not funny, and funny for being not at all funny thing to happen on that show from start to finish in my mind. Um, Could not have predicted it. I don't know who at the commissioner said, yeah, that's fine to do, but props to them because it is gold. (laughs) I kind of was just like, would that be done today in a show? Like I really was wondering (laughs) about this because I thought, I just thought it was so off the wall and just brilliant and it's so, so funny. But like, what do you make of the, like the spectacle proposal? What are your thoughts? Oh, I hate spectacle proposals. Like, I totally understand everyone has different expectations in this sense, but I just couldn't think of anything more intimate that's made more of a show of, and that gives me a bit of a, like, feeling in the old stomach. How about you? Yeah, no, because I was thinking about this as well in relation to Fleischman is in trouble because uh, Seth does this with the fiancé, you know has gets a room to get he's got a room full of people he's told them it's a party they don't know why and then he proposes to the girlfriend that's fiance and i was just like that's my worst nightmare like <laughs> oh my god just ha- and like i just think it's so much pressure it's just, it should be such a very intimate moment thing is right fair fucks to hillary she asked for what she wanted she said exactly mm-hmm. what she wanted and he did it whereas seth just got this room together and proposed this woman. He has no idea how she's going to react or like what she wants. It's, it's what our takeaway is. Like, we don't know who this woman is. We have no idea about her at all. And so I'm just a bit like, ah, oh, this is a bit of a selfish move. Like, you just want like the glory of being like, 
oh, like I'm proposing to someone finally in this big grand gesture. And uh, yeah, whereas with the Fresh Prince and with Hillary, I the thing I love about Hillary, she asks for what she wants and she gets it. She never sets herself up for disappointment. She is just like, yeah, she has that. And it goes, she has such a, a strong conviction of self. Yeah, but that proposal was totally whack. It was like, she didn't even know what bungee jumping was. Will was sitting next to her on the couch being like, yeah, he's gonna, he's going bungee jumping, like as in jumping from a bridge and with a cord. That's about it. Yeah, yeah, just. Then was, splat. Oh, splat, yeah. Yeah. Very abrupt. <laughs> right? I just think sitcoms really, really are allowed to push the limits, but that was a limit. No one expected this happy family nonsense to push. And I can only bow and clap in, in appreciation because that's, that scene has not left my head in about 30 years. <laughs> and as per Hillary, she did grief in style. She dyed her wedding dress. She wore that to the funeral. And oh my God, she's just so funny though. She was just like, you know, just all I have left of Trevor is this thing in my purse. And then Will is like, babe, he wasn't even cremated. <laughs> <laughs> she pulls out an urn. And she's just like, oh, look, look, she's a woman lost in her grief. Like, you know. <laughs> Isn't she though? Yeah. And her grief lasts, you know, enough time to be appropriate for a wealthy woman with plenty on the horizon. (laughs) Yep, absolutely. And uh, yeah, she she did raise a very interesting point though, which is, you know, what do I call myself now? I was as well, she was half engaged to this man. And, you know, like he proposed and then he immediately died. Uh, But she said yes, (laughs) I think. But, you know, they had a relationship and then he dies. And then it's like, well, now what? Like, what do I call myself? How do I move on? Like, It's, you know, for her, like for us as the viewer, this is the most, it's the biggest romantic relationship she's had. She was about to get married to him. She's going to register at Tiffany's. And then, poof, now what? You know, she's, she, you know, obviously she can't call herself a widow. They were never married. She goes on to have quite an interesting, I guess processing of it long term because she eventually decides that she wants a baby but she wants to have it herself she doesn't want or necessarily need to have it with a man and again for the 90s what a sort of progressive storyline to put into a show that is essentially a sitcom no absolutely uh she yeah i feel like he like at this point we start seeing a bit more emotional development on her part, you know? Mm. Um, yeah, because she starts reflecting how, because I think she she immediately, she goes on a date very soon after Trevor has died and she is immediately nitpicking the man she's on a date with and then she realises, oh, I'm actually not ready to date. I actually need time to grieve because there's that thing of like, there's no, there's, there's no accurate timeline for the process of grief. And I wonder what the discussion was around that, if there was one in the 90s in America. Yeah, but I think this this show did a good point of maybe bringing that up and just maybe like making people aware that everyone is different. 
because not only was she part of like was thinking how the equivalent is like you know when you break up with someone there's the mourning like period right but no i mean like this this is this is the man who died so it's just like double whammy <laughs> and she intense. saw it happen with everyone else in her family <laughs> i know yeah and all, and then um, the rest of america whoever had tuned into that channel yes oh god <sighs> I know. Yeah, it's brutal. It's going to go back to your point about her uh, wanting to raise a baby by herself. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. It is a very progressive timeline for that that era. I mean, it's early 90s. Um, but there was a film to that effect. Um, look who's talking. A great film. Yes. So Look Who's Talking was, ah, it was 1989. Yeah, it was John Travolta, Kirstie Alley. So... This was obviously something that was kind of becoming more and more of a discussion point, particularly among modern women, is that, well, we can have it all, including babies, not with a man. <laughs> Don't need a man by our side to help us take care. And But also, you know, Hillary can afford to do that because she's like got an incredibly wealthy family to back her. Oh, definitely. I think that it's, I mean, it's a subject that has persisted in women's lives for <laughs> the eternity they've been able or not to get pregnant, right? I think a lot of the demands that have been socialized around it are around only having children in heteronormative couples even today. But the idea for Hillary that this comes up, I think a woman comes on to her talk show, Hillary, um, and either talks about kids or brings a kid on. I can't remember what the exact setup is, but she really just suddenly gets the baby bug. I mean, she starts looking into sperm donors. Um, I think the only reason she doesn't eventually decide to go forward is because the sperm donor she chooses is Jazz, uh, which is a lovely piece of comic writing. But it's, yeah, it's a really sort of thoughtful, interesting way to pull that into a comedy and not have, you know, like, look who's talking. That is basically what the film's about. And I think mm. TV particularly has a way to, like Fresh Prince did with race and class and politics, discuss all of these things without it being the headline issue. And that really sticks with people longer and in a sort of more considered way because we care so much more about these characters, especially by that time. I think it was season five or six that that happens. So we love Hillary by then and we want her to have that baby on her own, you know, mm -hmm. even though we are watching it for comedy, the feels are very much there. Yeah, exactly. And she, but do you know what I think about it as well in relation to Hillary and that character and the fact she's still living at home in her twenties as she's working? And I was just like, how can I put this? It's not so different for many early twenties and like people in their thirties um, at this moment in time. People can't really afford to leave the home, and so. But I mean, like obviously she has, she could leave if she wanted, but she has chosen to stay in the house which is a really interesting dynamic like why this is a woman who's trying to assert her independence uh mainly through her career and yet she leaves herself uh dependent on her parents it's just like she is she's getting in her own way essentially that's such an interesting point she really never moves out it's only till the very very end where she is moving and basically the whole family is moving to new york 
and she has her talk show obviously and she offers will a job on her talk show then but that's really the only major move anyone goes through from that first episode when will moves from philadelphia to bel-air everyone is very close and tight-knit and perhaps because they have to be emotionally or logistically or just for ease of writing for the writers um but yeah it is an interesting it is an interesting thought isn't it because a lot of wealthy children don't leave home and they do have the ability to i'm just like what other wealthy kids do you know (laughs) who's who's living at home I'm talking about all the ones I see on social media that are like all clearly living in their parents' uh, multi-mansions, multi-million dollar mansions and probably multi-mansions. Are these influencers teenagers or are they adults? Oh, adults. I don't want to say names. I will say names after. (laughs) I don't want to throw people under the bus. But there are definitely people who I have seen on the old internets who live in their parents' homes and have fully-fledged careers even of their own. Um, So maybe there is something a little bit more authentic to Hillary's journey beyond just convenient writing. Why is that? Is it just because they? <laughs> just, I'm just so intrigued by this. It's it's you have the money, move out. I just it just it doesn't allow for. There's a really important growth and independence that, that will get that actually when he's trying to move out to go to college and and then and Carlton immediately is scurrying back home as soon as some it gets a little bit dodgy, right? Because he knows he has the safety and security back home. But Will has seen the other side of the fence. Like he has more resilience. He can definitely, like that for him was not the scariest thing he's experienced. And uh, but and also the fact that he's had to already leave home. Like for him, he's mm. not a stranger to living outside of home. But he sees how important it is to move outside the home, to be an independent person, to learn how to stand on your own two feet. And essentially, you have these kids by staying in the home, by staying in the family unit. They are, they're never going to actually grow up and learn how to stand on their own two feet. But it's an historic thing, you know? I just think there's a lot of different cultures where the, te- like, you know, the kids will stay within the family compound or whatever, you know, there'll be like a big house mm. and or else they'll like buy the land next to the parents and then it'll be, and then the wife will, or like they'll marry someone. I'm just thinking of like, you know, if it was a man, it was a son they had, and then like, a, you know, wife will move in, then she will leave her home to go to their home. Um, there's something quite like almost quaint and traditional about their setup. Maybe that is it. Maybe it's this conservative ideals of having your family really close around you, <clears throat> where maybe people who are a little less conservative feel more independent or crave more independence right i think if you aren't privileged speaking as someone who is not at all from a privileged background independence matters a lot to you because it says you can stand on your own two feet it says you can look after yourself but if you've always been looked after maybe you don't need to prove that or that isn't a consideration i don't know Mm. Yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it? It's a, it, you're very right. This is something that appears in a lot of wealthy spaces. Mm, it's very infantilizing. Yeah, 
Yeah. I, I suppose that's also it though, isn't it? If you have a servant like Jeffrey, uh, who oh, he is, is just stellar, <laughs> stellar man. Truly. And I love like, again, the bits that I've rewatched for this episode, he gets so much more sassy as time goes on. It is so joyful to watch. It's almost like he and Hillary become one person. <laughs> mm, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's really good. Um, but yeah, if you have a servant or a butler you don't really feel like you're a child because nobody is parenting you so maybe you view your parents more as pals and people you want to spend a lot of time with and they don't have to crack the whip because that's probably something your butlers and or nanny or other positions of power in your life have had to do I'm not sure if you are a rich person listening to this and you live at home, do, do write us. We are intrigued. <laughs> we are clearly very intrigued. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just I, that's a really interesting point. Like if, um, yeah, parents, yeah, if they are wealthy enough to have home help and leave the disciplinary action to them, you know, and if you if you've just seen the, so then they see the kids and they just have the fun times with the kids, then. Yeah, why would you leave home? Yeah, just hanging out with two older pals, isn't it? Hmm. Oh, God, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> I was like, home help. Ooh, the sound of it just tickles my bones. Oh, it does. <laughs> yeah. I think for the young women who probably watch Fresh Prince, Hillary was just an aspiration unlike any other. Like to be able to do whatever you wanted, whenever you wanted, say exactly what's on your mind at all times and suffer no repercussions. Mm. <laughs> Isn't that just an ideal womanhood that we'd all like to be part of? Mm, yeah, you actually raise a really good point. I also think that's pretty groundbreaking for the representation of black women on television, particularly at this time, right? It's it's groundbreaking because of what it shows in terms of black culture. It shows different forms of black identity. It shows how fluid it is. It shows because you have Will Smith coming from a very underprivileged background in Philly and he is moving to his cousin's place in a very wealthy upper class world in Bel Air. And the you see these two worlds brush and rub against each other. And there is a discomfort as they both take in their other worlds. And this is reflected when Will dares Carlton to go to spend a day in Compton which is a very rough part of Los Angeles. And Carlton realizes that his wealth and his privilege cannot protect him from the fact, it does not remove the fact that he's black from the equation. He, you know, just to any policeman passing by, he is just a black man. Doesn't matter how much money he has in his wallet, doesn't matter who his father is, he is still just a black man who is a number. Absolutely. And I think it's really important to acknowledge the fact that this was a TV show really trying to explain that part of lived experiences before any news and media was giving it the time of day, certainly not the amount that it's giving it now. And, you know, post George Floyd, still not really enough. But I think 
people have a stronger understanding now rooted in traumatic shared experiences and things that have gone viral but predating these times we've recently lived through who was talking about the difficulties of the black experience and the experience faced by so many minorities not only in america but around the world this was a tv show that handled it from its very first episode actually will hangs malcolm x's poster on his wall in the first episode he talks to his uncle about the fact that a fight for equality is incredibly important to him as a lawyer that's what he spends a lot of his time advocating for that affords them this bel-air mansion and this 300 dollars hat lifestyle and all the rest of it it's a really it's a really carefully considered way to talk about these big issues that face black people today and definitely faced them in the 90s and throughout the series those moments that you're speaking of really do reflect this enormous sense of education for an audience that i assume was just as white as it was black Mm, i think as well it's interesting having jeffrey as a black butler showing another level of class distinction within this household and but how he's never he's never treated as less he is always he is their equal he is in this like yeah he just yeah he brings some food and whatnot but he always he never takes him seriously he's always just like well i studied at oxford now you served this earl and you're all a joke that you think you're all <laughs> i think he actually laughs the fact that they think they're like posh when he's like no babe i've seen posh and it's yeah not. like this is small fry um absolutely uh, yeah um that's what i was thinking as well hillary as a black woman just there must have been something very empowering little black girls watching that show to see a black woman just being frivolous you know just you know going out and shopping and feeling incredibly entitled to her space and being like i i can exist in this world people will listen and respect me uh i mean to an extent i can do anything i want (laughs) the same rhetoric yeah it's so true representation is so important and i think you know, for the the little black girl in that series, Ashley, you see someone who's incredibly intelligent and very capable and plays with these two identities all the time, almost Will's version of her identity, which is she's really into music and she wants to be cool and she wants to experiment with a different way of being. And I suppose aunt viv vivian's identity which is very structured and aware of its wealth and wants to live up to that expectation so you see two excellent young women as well as this really powerful connected self-aware mother figure that i just think do wonders for representation particularly at that time Mm. But I do, th- yeah, as well, because, you know, it's 90s America and representations of black women on screen are quite limited. So even though, you know, it's great to have these women on screen, it's also they're very slim women. 
They are slim, yes. They are. I just, I just think like I do think it's like often Vivian's on a diet, and uh, well, you know, obviously Hillary is just someone who is going to be on TV, uh, being a weather girl, and because um, I do think like diet culture is kind of touched on. Oh my god! I just I have quote written down. I was like, oh my god, that is brutal. But I had to write it. <laughs> it was just what is it? What is it? Okay. Uh, so someone's they're talking about some woman they know. Hillary comes in and goes, she's been vacuumed more times than a hooked rug. Just wave a chili cheese dog in front of her and see how much of your arm you come back with. <laughs> you know, not not entirely current in its representation, but that was in fact the nineties, and that was a fucking solid joke from Hillary. <laughs> I know she's talking about how this woman how many times got liposuction, and I think like you know it it was the same for nineties uh, TV. It's incredibly thin. It's and like today they're doing better in terms of bodies and different representations, but there's still definitely a lot of work to be done. So just thinking in terms oh, of oh for sure yeah yeah. Those women are definitely the thin and beautiful, acceptable looking women of the minority at that time. Um, and I obviously say that with massive air quotes. <laughs> I do not believe that to be true, but that is unfortunately what 90s television is known best for. Um, it's it's the same with Friends. It's the same with Ally McBeal. It's all of it really, isn't it? You have one body type and the differences and the representations we see within those women can exist, but they still have to be largely pale and thin. Um, mm. And thank goodness that we have outgrown those. But yeah, it's a really it's a really solid point. I totally forgot how much they discuss diet culture and general appearances outside of fashion within that series. Yeah, well, you definitely would in living, I imagine, in Beverly Hills. It is such a part of, like, I remember growing up with various magazines and just, they always refer, they always comment on what people are eating. And, uh, yeah, it, it like, diet, diet culture is an actual culture in that place. It's what I gather. It's just, like, that is the, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? That's the impression, I guess. <laughs> I totally About, agree. Yeah. Let's also circle back to Hillary's role within this family unit because you're raising a really important point there about her personality and how that's reflected within that group. Again, yes, again, she's just so sure of herself. She's like an intense amount of self-love that she's, and she knows that like, no matter what, her family has her back. She can just say whatever. It's such a safe space. But therefore, because of that, and because they don't really, they they do kind of react back to her but like she just kind of just like oh whatever it's like a little like gnat or like some fly that she's like you know like flicking off her shoulder or something um but because that she has no (laughs) self-awareness that's why her and Trevor are perfect for each other because they're both just so narcissistic and so obsessed with themselves that's so true I can't remember what happened but there is one point that made me keel over in giggles where she's trying to like make an excuse for some behavior or something and she basically says well what can I do I'm a beautiful woman trapped in an even more beautiful woman's body (laughs) and it is the perfect way to get exactly how that person views the world out in one singular sentence it Mm. is well good yeah 
Yeah. Do you exactly. have some other favorite Hillary lines? Oh, well, <laughs> do I? <laughs> do I, I honestly ever like, I got a little list. So um, I thought this is just brilliant. <clears throat> Long distance relationships usually don't work out. I mean, look at the little mermaid. She was stuck in the sea and he was stuck on land. Don't worry, Ash. There are plenty of men in the sea. You mean fish in the sea? No, I mean men. Fish don't own yachts. So good. I know. So good. That episode, I think, just popping into my head because this is all my brain is filled with, apparently. That episode is when Ashley is sort of confiding in Hillary about wanting to have sex, right? She's come to her older sister. And I think Hillary walks into the room. Ashley's there. She's like, can I have a talk with you? And Hillary is like, no, 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 my show's about to be on. And then turns around and goes, oh, I see I'm needed. And that is, I think, like a really good way to frame how that character even slightly changed over the time. Like, of course, she had her needs. Of course, she did what she wants. But she did develop, particularly within that family, a real sense of always being there for everyone else, even though she's unapologetic about her behavior and very self-centered otherwise. Mm -hmm. It's a really nice thing because then... Ashley sits down with her. They have this very funny conversation, as you've just read, about long distance relationships and whether she should have sex with her boyfriend. But it's presented in the most comedic and thoughtful way because Hillary is just telling it as it is. <laughs> yeah, she definitely does. Do we want another quote? We absolutely want another quote. Okay. Congratulate me. It took all day, but I finally found the perfect pair of alligator pumps to wear to the Save the Everglades rally tonight. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. That's my claps. That's my snaps. Yeah. No, she's just, she's fab gal. I just think she is a woman who would have absolutely thrived today. Like she would just be making her bank uh, she's she's honestly she's just like a stand she's your like modern day she's she's their 90s influencer essentially like she is just she sets the tone in terms of fashion environmentalism additional question yes have you watched the reboot also known as bel-air no i refuse i stand in the camp <laughs> of like refuse of the reboot it is just such a waste of time it's so fucking lazy there are some immensely talented writers out there who are creating amazing shows and i just think stop with the reboots like go make a new show that uh shows promise and tells other stories that we have not seen like why why mess with a classic <laughs> and that is the official statement from founder of the Fuck the Reboots Association, Ashley O'Leary. Um, <laughs> Come join me. <laughs> yeah, I'm signing. I'm signing up. How do I? How do I join? Um, yeah, I, it's really tough, isn't it? Because I think I I agree with you largely that a lot of fantastic shows should just be left to be fantastic. Um, it's the same sort of issue I have with lots and lots of books getting options to be turned into TV shows or films when a lot just don't translate. Like they're very different mediums. Some translate 
beautifully and make for excellent television, excellent films, and some just don't. And I just think there are so many original stories out there. Is it is it necessary? I don't know. I do, however, love that they got the original co-producer slash co-showrunner of the original series in for the reboot. I think that's at least a strong testament to the groundwork that was laid already. Um, but the, one of the reasons this show is so good is because it's now an out comedy. And I just haven't yet had the impulse to watch a dramatized version of it, you know? Mm. It was a bold move to make it a drama. I think it it could be incredible. Again, I've not seen a single episode. So I have absolutely no idea. But I think the the comedy prowess of 90s Fresh Prince is sort of untouchable. Absolutely. It is timeless. It is properly, yeah, untouchable is a very good word. Um, but also, I just think time is so limited and there's actually some really great shows being released at the moment and I just kind of want to delve into those uh, and slash actually watch certain series that are hallmarks that everyone has talked about and I'm finally getting around to them because yeah that's that <laughs> of this podcast <laughs> exactly exactly I don't want to I don't want to reveal what I'm watching just yet <laughs> but uh very exciting <laughs> there's some good things to come that is for sure In, including next week's episode is a very modern uh very modern character that I know you and I are literally tickling ourselves to discuss because she's a fucking golden one. Oh, she is. It's oh. really delicious. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he. Um, so I guess that's really all we have to say on Hillary Banks. Yeah. Yeah. If you have any thoughts or questions, do send them in. Our email is hello at she's having an episode.com. And as we said, we will see you next week with some very exciting character chat. Mm. <clears throat> I'm like, is there, a, is there a hint that's easy to hint? Not really. Just a really good modern show. <laughs> In Ireland. That's all, that's all we can say for now. Yeah. Okay. So do give us a little follow and leave a review. It really helps us get the word out in our new baby podcast life. Yeah. Please do. See you next week. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.